The 1960s is often looked at as a very big turning point in American cinema. Gone were the days of studio-driven films, and to replace them here was a decade full of independent-driven films. You have westerns, you have movie musicals, you have a reinvigoration of the sci-fi genre. This was a decade of change, and this was a decade of filmmakers really stretching themselves and putting their visions first for the studio. We're celebrating all of that and more in this episode, the inaugural episode of The Acolytes of Film, the 1960s. to the Planet Fantasy Podcast, and as always, we're your hosts, Damon and Kyle. How's it going over there, man? It's pretty good. It's like I just uh, I just saw you yesterday, because I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but we just recorded a podcast yesterday. <laughs> That's going to make them very confused, Kyle, because they're going to listen to that on Wednesday, and this is going up on Monday, so that's going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Time does not exist in Planet Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh um so have you watched anything new since we talked last uh not really uh today was a blur kind of just uh easter stuff but i'm planning on watching either 12 monkeys tonight or like the jungle book or something because i need something to fall asleep to <laughs> very nice um i'm just still watching fringe that's pretty much everything that's taking, I'm, you know, I'm doing so. But also, we have a guest for today. It is Katie uh, joining us after her uh, pretty awesome debut on the NBA expansion team draft, if I do say so. Uh, Katie, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, have you been watching anything lately uh, since we talked last? I've been binging Superstore. Yes. Nice. So good. Oh, who's your favorite character? Um... Oh gosh, I really like Jonah. I'm a big fan of Jonah. Jonah's He's like like my favorite kind of nerd. <laughs> He's a very good nerd. He never knows when to shut up either. Even though he, he does, but he just he can't. He literally can't shut up. Um, that's a great show. Uh, well, thanks for joining us again, uh, Kyle. You want to dig into what uh, kind of draft we're doing today? Yeah, so we are um, jumping from our, our Children of the Tube series to the Acolytes of Film series. Um, the first episode, we started in the 1960s for that one, so we were jumping to the film side of the 1960s. We're breaking down our essential picks um, from the decade. We each get four picks, and yeah, I'm excited. So we have a list game to determine our draft order. What's, what's the list game, Damon? We are doing the ABCs of actors and actresses of Hollywood. So as long as they're primarily a movie star, you know, uh, more in movies than TV, then they're going to be up for it. And we're doing first name only. Uh, If we get back around to A again, we'll go with last names. But I don't know about that. So um, (laughs) we'll see how long we last. Katie, we'll start us off with A. Kyle, you won't B or C. Uh, I'll take, I'll take 
C. All right, I'll go B. Katie, start us off. Anna Kendrick. Nice. Brad Pitt. Uh, oh, I, I thought I said B. I don't know. I'm tired. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great start. Great start. Okay, let's see. C. Uh, Catherine O'Hara. Okay. Oh, sorry. That's me. Uh, Denzel Washington. Hmm. E, you say. Ewan McGregor. Nice. Um, uh, Fred Astaire. Uh, Ginger Rogers. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Hmm. Heath Ledger. Happy birthday to him today as we're recording oh, yeah, this. That's right. Um, let's see. Imelda Staunton. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Kevin Bacon, the best actor ever. According to somebody. Uh, I thought you were just going to say Kevin and let us guess. <laughs> First names only. Uh, let's go with Lucy Liu. Michael B. Jordan. Nicholas Cage. The other best actor of all time. Austin would say so. <laughs> um, Oscar Isaac. Penelope Cruz. Shit, I got Q. Yeah, I didn't get it for once. I always get the Q. I have to remember this. Don't go with B. Oh. There's some Qs, right? Um, it's gotta be Quentin Tarantino is a director <laughs> he's been in movies also acts in like all of his movies but I guess I, 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 I mean, don't know I, if I would count I, that I probably yeah. wouldn't count that either so yeah. I don't count that um, <sighs> Quentin something or another yeah um I guess I'm out, unfortunately, so that's just bull. Um, Does Q go to me or do I have to take R? You, you go R, because otherwise I, don't, I think we would all just lose. Oh, I have a Q. I have a Q locked and loaded. Well, okay, wait, tell us a Q. Just go ahead and tell us. Who is it? Queen Latifah. Oh, shit. It's how yeah, she's billed on all of her movies. That is how she is billed. You are right about that. Wow. Well done. That's clever. Um, all right. Well, Kyle, you got R? Uh, let's go with Rob Rick. Uh, Sienna Miller. Um...
Uh, Tiana, Tiana Paris. Yeah. Um, Uma Thurman. Nice. Hmm. Four. There's a violet somewhere. Two. Yep. That's it. Do, do you got a V? Vigo Mortensen. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, shit. The king himself. Yeah. Damn. Once again, a guest has won the list game. He sucked, Kyle. <laughs> Let's just stop having guests on the show. <laughs> All right, just you and me. Bye, bye, Katie. No, it does. <laughs> you won the list game, so of course you you get to dictate the order. Uh, what are you thinking? Okay. Oh man. Um. I am gonna go first. Um. And then I'll just do it. In the order we went out. So I'll go first. Kyle take the two slot, and then Damon, you'll be third. But y'all, you were wrong because I went second. Oh, you did second? Oh, well, I'm sticking <laughs> with that order. <laughs> it's okay. I am down for the turnaround. Okay. Like you said on the episode that hasn't been released yet, but will be released. <laughs> Or whatever. We I time is irrelevant. Uh you think I'm down for the turnaround. I'm I'm I think the third pick is underrated. So I'm okay with this. Especially with a, a draft like this. Like I didn't know what placement I wanted. So mm-hmm. all right. So Katie, uh kick us off with your, <laughs> your first pick. Okay. So I'm gonna start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Some would say the only place to start. <laughs> I'm gonna pick the sound of music. Of course. Um, hence the lyrics from Don't Worry Me. Um so yeah, I this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Julie Andrews should have won back to back Oscars for it. Um she was robbed. But uh, it won Best Picture, and it's just, you know, your classic tale of a nun who goes to take care of some kids and then falls in love and uh, gets married to a captain. So, uh, I mean, it's based on a true story, so it actually (laughs) is something that happened. But, um, yeah, I... uh, I've been to Salzburg twice. I'm like, I'm obsessed with the sound of music. I absolutely adore the sound of music. Like exactly two years ago, I was on the sound of music tour. My not so secret life goal is to move to Austria and lead the sound of music tour. Um, but I, uh, Julie Andrews was like coming in hot from her Oscar win for Mary Poppins. And, um, and then Christopher Plummer, the original daddy, you know, um, (laughs) was wonderful in it as well. Um, Just charming as ever. And one of my favorite things uh, about this is that I have a friend, let's call her Kristen, um, our friend Kristen, (laughs) thought that The Sound of Music was in the same universe as um, Indiana Jones growing up because they both had Nazis. And I just think that wait, that's wait, 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 hold on, hold amazing. on, hold on, 
do Nazis not exist in real life? Well, obviously they do. But, like, when you're a little kid and, like, two of the only movies that you get to watch are The Sound of Music and Indiana Jones, it totally makes sense that, like, a it's little true. kid I am would so think... I am down for that... this crossover. I know. Isn't that great? I felt like I just absolutely had to share that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. The Sound of Music is... It's one of the greatest musicals of all time. And in a decade full of musicals. Absolutely full of musicals. <laughs> um... I just felt like I had to take it. So I love it. Kyle, how do you feel about Sound of Music being the first pick of this draft? Uh, so with Katie picking the first pick of the draft, I immediately typed Sound of Music before she even said anything. Um, <laughs> I knew. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's on brand. Um, it's a great movie. I have yet to rewatch it since Christopher Plummer passed away. I don't think I'm ready for that. Um yeah, I, I saw that I all it took was seeing the clip of him singing Idlewise and I it was just it, it was enough. <laughs> uh, but this is a fantastic movie. I agree. Julie Andrews was absolutely robbed. And I can't even name who won Best Actress that year um, because no one remembers. Uh, they all remember Julie Andrews in, in Sound of Music. Um, I am of the opinion that the shorter a movie is, the better. Uh but that does not apply to this movie. This is one of the rare long movies that I will sit through and enjoy and be tuned in the entire time. So this is, this is a great first day. Um, I can't believe I watched like a two and a two hours and 55 minutes movie, like as a kid, probably like multiple times, <laughs> but I did it because like, I mean, I remember watching sound of music several, several times as a kid. Um, it was one of those musicals that was in the rotation, you know, this Mary Poppins bed knobs, you, you got Grease, you got um, all those, but I feel like I haven't seen Sound of Music since I was a kid. I don't know why. I, I think it just kind of maybe fell out, and I was like, ah, I don't know. I didn't I didn't want to go back to it for some reason. I've not watched it since. Um, I didn't get around to it uh, for this draft, unfortunately. I really wanted to. I have to say, the meme game from this movie is strong. Um, <laughs> it might be the best one as far as that goes in the 60s uh very relevant in today you know i had i gotta mention the surfboard meme you know where she's just with the, with the guitar just singing to the kids um i love that but it's a very i don't know beautiful movie i, I remember it's so visually striking you know like the hills and all the color and i mean julie andrews is her voice is amazing i could listen to her sing anything Seriously, like the the settlement with the doctor for millions of dollars because they botched her vocal surgery, like they robbed us of extra decades of getting to listen to her sing, and that's just it's a travesty. That's terrible. Um, favorite song from Sound of Music? Oh, I don't even know if I could pick one. Um, uh, it might be Edelweiss. Um, I don't know. Uh, I also really love Sound of Music because they it gets sung by like everyone. It's sung throughout the movie, um, in so many different arrangements, and has like a different emotional impact every time. So I really like that. Um, but I also love that like this movie has like a very emotional like impact on people, like because it's associated with the holidays. 
So, like, even though My Favorite Things isn't a Christmas song, it gets played in the Christmas song rotation because ABC has played it at Christmas every Christmas since, like, the 70s. Right. It's an honorary Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Any other thoughts about Sound of Music, Kyle? Uh, I'm going to be honest. My internet hates me, so I haven't heard it anything in the last two minutes but i agree <laughs> how is i agree with everything that was very very observational i i, I love it <laughs> um well then uh, i think we're gonna go to a real quick break guys And we're back, guys, and we're talking about movies from the 1960s. Uh, And the very first pick off the board goes to Katie, Sound of Music, and we're going to be jumping to Kyle. Your first pick, uh, what's it going to be? Okay, so like I said, this was a draft where I didn't know what position I wanted because I don't know Katie well enough, other than Sound of Music, what she would pick, and then... Damon, I don't know. I've been like trying to spy your Facebook in the last week and a half or so. I haven't dropped anything. Just to say, I haven't shown anything, any any cards. I don't know. I've seen a lot of '60s movies, but maybe that's been a misdirect. Well, I know what your first one is, Kyle. Just just say it. Yeah, I'm I'm nothing if not consistent. I gotta go with uh, Psycho. Um, mm-hmm. I know people expected another one. I'm hoping it doesn't get stolen. I'm really going on a limb here. But, uh, yeah, Psycho is my third favorite movie of all time. Um, Rotates between three and two a lot. But I think this is Alfred Hitchcock's last masterpiece. Um, After this, he has, you know, The Birds and Frenzy. Uh, I have a soft spot for both of those movies, but... They're not on the level of psycho. Um, I talked about this a long time ago on our, our personal film festival draft. I think that uh, for a movie that came out in 1960 to still be as effective and as chilling uh, as it is today is pretty impressive. Um, the movie lives and dies on Anthony Perkins' performance. I mean, he is just incredible. Um, he does this perfect blend of like vulnerability before you really understand the twist. And then he sells the twist like no other human being alive. Um, to this day, the, the shot of him entering the basement in full garb as Norma Bates with the, the knife just whew, scares the absolute shit out of me. Um, but like, that's not to say everyone else isn't terrible. I mean, Janet Lee is also really great. Um, as as Marion Crane, you've got Vera Miles as her sister, John Gavin, uh, Jeanette Nolan and Virginia Gregg kind of trading the, the role as Norma Bates. Um, I just love how this what this movie did for like the psychological thriller genre, one that's like a personal favorite of mine. And yeah, I, I, I adore this movie, so I, I couldn't I couldn't not grab it uh, first. <laughs> Shocker. No, I mean, this is one of the most iconic movies of the 60s, I, I would say. Katie, how do you feel about Psycho? 
I knew that Kyle was going to pick it. I uh, re-listened to the um, festival, the film festival draft um, in order to study you guys. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. I was nothing if not thorough in studying for this draft. <laughs> um, and yeah, I knew Kyle was going to pick this. I don't like scary movies. And so I did not watch Psycho. I was like, oh, maybe I should so that I can speak <laughs> at length about it if, <laughs> if Kyle does pick it. And not if, but when. And, um, and then I was like, no, I don't really have to because <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> but I, I do um, want to say uh, one of my friends gave me the hot tip <laughs> that one of the things that impacted the rating for Psycho was that it had a flushing, it's the first film with a flushing toilet. <laughs> yeah. And so it like, it wasn't like the gore or the woman in the shower, but it was the flushing toilet. And I think that's funny. Scandalous. Mm-hmm. Everyone just want to be like, I want to, I got to take a look at that commode, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, Psycho is, is really great. I can't believe I really enjoyed this movie as a kid. You know, it's, it's kind of, I wouldn't say slow, but it's kind of methodical and it definitely takes its time to, to roll out. But I mean, I just, I think I was enthralled even then. And just as I've gotten older, this movie, I've come to appreciate it more and more. The music is perfect where it hits. Um, And like you said, Norman Bates, that character is still in our lexicon today. I mean, people try to live up to that character. And so that, you know, they did something right there. Um, I, I like the Bates Motel TV show, by the way. I thought that was pretty underrated. Um, but the uh, this movie is super creepy and unnerving, and I, I I think I think unnerving is my favorite word to describe it. It's just the whole time I, I feel uneasy watching. Like I, even when I know what's going to happen, they set it up and build that tension so well. And I believe um, if I get this right, the main of uh, the woman who was stabbed in the uh, in the shower was supposedly like top billed as like the star of the movie, right? And like you know, it's supposed to be her, and then like they kill her like what thirty minutes? It's about, into- it's about twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah, minutes in, that's pretty ballsy, and I love that. Um, oh yeah, and it was really of- influential because like exactly. it it's very like Scream later on. Yes, where they yeah. kill after Barrymore. I, I oh, yeah. love I love horror movies, and this is. I don't know if it's the most influential, but it's easily one of the five most influential horror movies there there ever's ever been made. And I love it. Um, Kyle, favorite scene, element, um musical note of the movie? Um, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> uh if it's just one moment, I kind of already mentioned it, but the yeah, the the if I think about this movie, the thing that sticks in my head is that shot. So, you know, um, Sam and, and, uh, Marion's sister, uh, that I'm blanking on her name, but Sam and Marion's sister go to the basement and they uncover, you know, the real Norma Bates, um, the corpse herself. And I mean, this is also my answer for great musical cue, but the music kicks in and they turn around and it's one still shot like up towards the, the stairwell. And Anthony Perkins just busts in with, you know, full knife and he just has the most demented grin on his face. Uh, 
Katie, I'm with you. I, I know I'm just waxing poetic about how scary this movie is. I don't really like scary movies either, but nothing nothing matches the feeling I get watching that part of that movie. Just it's just oh, it's utterly chilling. Um but yeah, I agree. It did so much for the genre. It um proved that you do not have to and I'm look, I'm a big Friday the thirteenth fan. I you know, I think gory horror movies have their place, but it definitely proved that you don't need that to make a movie unsettling or scary. Uh, you just need a sense of dread. And uh, that's what this movie does is it just gives you this. Damon kind of already said like the sense of uneasiness the entire time. Um, so, yeah. I love it. I knew it was going to happen. Um, pretty much. I went chalk. I love it. Um, <laughs> so we'll roll on to my first pick. And apparently you have no idea, Kyle. I don't think Katie does. Um, but, I mean, y'all should. I've already mentioned it in this episode alone. I'm talking about one of my favorite musicals ever, Mary Poppins. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I said, I'm always down for the turnaround because I got my first pick. Uh, and I, I had to, I, you know, I waited. And I can get two in a row. Um, Mary Poppins uh, is so delightful, okay? It's such a fun and satisfying watch okay like as a kid i have no idea how many times i watched it okay it was so fun when they were jumping into the animation and the songs were so catchy you know the fact that supercalifragilisticexpialidocious was sung by everyone and their mom and everyone tried to spell it and it was just everywhere even when i was a kid and that was like the 90s it was a big thing then I don't know how big of a thing it's been since, um, really, but I guess for as far as me personally, I, I really, really enjoyed the movie, like trying to take care of these two kids who are, I wouldn't say they're brats, but, you know, they're they're a bit of a, you know, a bit much to handle. But I mean, the character of Mary Poppins is this um, no nonsense, but cheery uh, nanny who, you know, loves to teach and, uh, you know, go on these adventures. But I don't know. And then as a, I watched this as a kid, right, all the time. And then as an adult, I watched it for this prep. And I found it just as enjoyable, you know. Like, I, I found it, you know, I really, there was some moments that I hit that I did not notice as a, a kid. Like, a lot of the talk about the Empire, you know, trying to preserve the empire of the, like that's that was a thing back then i guess still um and stuff like that uh but i love this movie the songs are great i think my favorite part is the step in time like just the whole scene on top and then they go through and and see uh their dad and everything dick van dyke is just a whirlwind of a performance in this movie julie andrews makes it run but i think he's like the the x factor like the uh the heat check you know he kind of puts it over she like makes it a great movie he puts it over and makes it just like a a legendary movie i'd say so what do you think katie i love this movie i don't know if you can tell but i'm a pretty big fan of julie andrews <laughs> <laughs> and um and as i mentioned she did win the oscar for this um, and in her speech, the only person she mentioned by name was Walt Disney. Like, that's the only person she thanked. Because she was just so <laughs> flustered. Like, she didn't know she was going to win. Um, and they, like, they wanted her so badly for this that they delayed production so she could have her baby. 
Um, yeah, like she was pregnant and, and they were like, no, we want you. Um, and then the same thing happened for Mary Poppins Returns. So I do think it's actually still very popular today because they made a sequel True. just a few years ago. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, I think this, this is one of my favorite movies of all time as well. Definitely had it on my board. Um, just in case someone had screwed me over with Sound of Music. Uh, <laughs> um, and one of my favorite songs is uh, Sister Suffragette, just because I think like it's it's such a funny song because it's uh, like a little feminist ballad about like the right to vote. But then also she's such a ditzy character who like is dominated by this like chauvinistic husband and so it's it's like a there are a lot of like weird goofy lines in it um but I just remember like for years like even last year when we were celebrating the hundredth year of the right to vote in America being like our daughter's daughters will adore us um and I was like yes sister suffragette like (laughs) singing that song again um yeah it's got so many classic songs i will say that i kept trying to watch this movie like around bedtime and it has two lullabies in it so that's like a a bad idea (laughs) right i forgot about the lullabies it's like of course she's a nanny she's got to put them down but like don't put me down too okay Mary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um kyle how do you feel about mary poppins (sighs) it was my number two um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you, you can't go too far into this draft without both of these Julie Andrews movies being taken. Um, yeah, this movie is just like, I have in my notes just two words, and it's just a warm hug. That's that's what this movie is. It's so sweet. Uh, I'm also, I just, ha- I love movies that are filmed on sound stages. That just, I have a lot of nostalgia for that. Um, this is super impractical, but I would love to see more movies like that. Uh nowadays um i don't know i just there's something about it that gives a kind of a magical quality to it uh and yeah julie and dick van dyke just absolutely dominate this movie um i have mixed thoughts on the sequel um i'm glad they made one just because you know we're still we're still we're still talking about it but and emily blunt was great but uh it, yeah uh <laughs> she, she she wasn't julie andrews um which I didn't hold against her. What I did hold against was Lin-Manuel Miranda, like not even trying to be Dick Van Dyke or just be anything. It was just weird. He was just very miscast. Um, anyway, but but the highlight of that movie is Dick Van Dyke's cameo. And you're just reminded like, oh, that's right. That's how good this type of movie can be. Um, yeah, this movie is just a classic. Um, I probably one of the first Disney movies I can remember watching as a kid. Um, We had it on VHS for the longest time. And then when we got rid of our VCR player, which was, I'm sure anyone can relate a traumatic experience. uh, That was one of the last ones that we like held on to. And we finally just sold it. And it was very, very sad. Um, But yes, this is a great movie. Um, I also, if anyone hasn't seen it, I'm pretty sure it's, not like an obscure movie, but if anyone hasn't seen Saving Mr. Banks, I highly recommend it. Um, such a good story. Emma Thompson breaks my heart in that movie. Um, but Tom Hanks is also fantastic as Walt Disney, which is like 
if you say that on paper, you're like, oh, of course they cast Tom Hanks as Walt Disney. Like, he doesn't even have to try. But he's still, like, amazing. I mean, he gives it so much heart. So, great movie. Um, made me want to rewatch Mary Poppins right away. It's it's so good, okay? One more thing I could call uh, as an adult, uh, their mom talking about going down and throwing eggs at the prime minister. You know, <laughs> it's that kind of uh, energy over there in the UK. Um, yeah. I really liked it. Was I was like, wow, I wonder, I kind of want to go back and see what was going on over there uh, and during this time, just to get the background of, of Mary Poppins and the kids. Um, but I'm so glad y'all didn't pick it. I, I'm very, very happy. <laughs> um, so and that means I can also get my second pick that y'all didn't get. It's another musical. It's actually a movie that I had not seen before until recently. Um, but I fell in love with it, which I'm not surprised at all because it's by one of my favorite uh, filmmakers, Mel Brooks. And I'm talking about the producers. Um, but your Facebook didn't lie. Yeah, <laughs> you you definitely broadcast this to the world. <laughs> well, you know, it was a bit while ago, and you know, you never know. But I still got it. So. Um, I love Mel Brooks movies. I mean, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. He's so fun. Um, and this is his first, like his directorial debut. And I'm really surprised I'd never seen it before. I, I think I was always kind of turned away a little bit because the premise included a, a musical about Hitler. <laughs> and I guess like maybe for a while there, I was like, I don't want to do anything that like has anything Hitler. Propag- I mean, of course, not propaganda, but anything with Hitler and stuff like that. You know, you always find a reason to not want to watch something. Um but I finally got around to it, and I adore this movie. And I mean, of course, as soon as Gene Wilder stepped on to the screen, I was like, I'm hooked. He he's just got that like, it, it's like quiet charisma about him. Like he doesn't really have to do much, but it just kind of is there at all times. Like he'll have that little twinge in his smile, you know, and that little light in his eye, and he, you know, it just brings a lot more to the to every scene he's in and just the idea of this movie is insane you know it's him and this uh producer and he brings them the idea of if you were to make a flop of a play on purpose you would make more money than if you were to try to make a successful one so that just this this is one of my favorite all-time schemes of a movie maybe ever because it's just (laughs) ludicrous um and, and so, of course, they, they try to put it together. They get springtime for Hitler, right, is the name. Uh, a yeah. gay romp with Adolf and Eve at Birchensgaden, um, or however you say that. That was butchered, I, I'm sure. Um, but this movie was so fun. Like, I, I love when they go to have a drink and the play starts and everything, and everyone's just kind of, like, dead silent. Their faces are, are like, just aghast. And as like Hitler's going for it, because the guy they got to play Hitler is just amazing. He's he's just a riot, very uh, flamboyant and uh, charismatic himself. And after that first scene, they're like, "Oh my god, this is just the funniest thing ever!" Like they take it for satire, which it should be because it's brilliant. I want to kind of watch Springtime for Hitler. Have they ever made that into a play itself? The producers is a play, so like they made that into a musical. So I think they're more musical like 
more parts of the musical and the musical. I don't know for sure. Musicalception. Okay. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It was just super fun. And the fact that they failed at making a failure of a movie to succeed it was just, I, it was great. I, I think it was very Mel Brooks. And as far as the 60s go, I, I think I'm going to revisit this a lot going forward. Um, I, I am not the biggest fan of older movies. I'm not going to lie. So this draft was a was a big exercise for me. But I'm very glad I found the producers uh, from it. So, yeah, that's my second pick. Kyle, what do you think? Um, thank God for HBO Max. I just randomly stumbled across this movie like a month or so ago on HBO Max, and I'm I'm so glad it's on there. Um, yeah, it's really incredible to think this is Mel Brooks's first movie. Um, and the fact that he, I'm just looking now, he only made 11 movies, which is wild. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a great movie. I, all I can think about is when he's like talking about, nobody ever said a bad word about Churchill, did they? Like he's trying to justify and it's just, uh, it's, it's perfect. Um, yeah, this is one that the same as Mary Poppins. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the remake they did with, uh, Roderick and uh, and Nathan Lane. Um, I love Nathan Lane and everything that he does, but yeah, I, I just this is not a movie that you can really easily remake. Um, so yeah, they they tried, but uh, this is just Mel Brooks's his brand of comedy is uh, really hard to replicate, and this is it's at full display in this movie. So it is, Katie. What do you think? Um, I grew up watching this movie. You guys are just ridiculously young. Um, (laughs) okay. I just, I I know you're not, you're not that far off from me, but, um, uh, I just grew up with like a lot of Mel Brooks movies and this one was on rotation a lot in our home. Um, and I adore Gene Wilder. Um, but I think that as I got older, I liked this movie less and I think it might just be like, some of the like gags about women are maybe haven't aged the best. Um, I do get that it's satire. And so like within satire, you have to be like, Oh, like for some of the things like the um, outfits that they have the women in, in the musical, those are making fun of the ridiculous outfits that they used to have women in, in these big stage productions. And I get that. But other things like, when they make her the um, receptionist dance, when they they're like go to work, and then she like dances, I'm like eh, I don't think that had to be in there. No. But I I mean that being said, I do have like extremely fond memories about the producers, and this is a Mel Brooks classic, and um, great performances by all the leads. So yeah, I do like this pick. I just I didn't have it on my board because I tried to keep out anything where I was just like not feeling great about some of the stuff that's very fair like I myself was really thrown off at the beginning intro like that whole scene was just kind of like what is this what am I watching what's going on (laughs) I don't know if I can make it through this but I did it was like okay I guess it's over and it got better a little bit but yeah that first scene was a was a tough watch not gonna yeah. lie. Um, yeah, I mean, it is like a weird premise for a movie, for sure. <laughs> but when you make it all the way through, you're like, oh, I'm glad I watched this movie. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how I felt. Okay. 
Yeah. I very much appreciated it. So, yes, the producer's second pick, the third musical off the board, and we're just starting in the second round. (laughs) Before we get to that next pick, we're going to take a quick break. Coming to a streaming service never, John M. Chu takes on the movie musical of a lifetime. Clark Kent is in love with Lois Lane, his co-worker at the Daily Planet, but she has been in a serious relationship with his best friend, Jimmy Olsen. Clark doesn't want to change anything. That's when Mr. Mixie himself shows up, the reality-warping trickster himself. See, he is a big fan of Clark and Lois together. It's his OTP across all realities. And so he decides to poke his nose in it and turns the whole world into one big musical. Superman. Mixed feelings. Rated N for nothing. See this movie only in your imagination? But feel free to check out the podcast episode where it was drafted. Episode 17, Dream Superman Movie Fantasy Cast. Hey guys, and we're back, and we're just drafting movies, you know, uh, that thing we do, uh, and we're going through the 1960s. We've uh, had a couple pretty amazing movies. You might have heard of them, you know, Sound of Music, Psycho, a little a little production called Mary Poppins. Um, so we're, we're going to Kyle for his second pick. Kyle, what you got? Uh, all right. Continuing the train of... Um... Kyle never shuts up about these movies. Uh, I gotta go with Batman the movie. Um, 1966. On our last 60s pod, I, I waxed poetic about the show, so I've got to continue it with the movie. Um, I just... Uh, I'm going to repeat a lot of what I said then, but I love Adam West as Batman. I think that he, even more so in this movie, is just fully committing to the bit. Um, and Burt Ward. I mean, he's... Them being themselves is just the selling point of this movie. Uh, I also, I, I like Lee Merriweather as Catwoman. Um, she's obviously not on the level of Julie Newmar or the Kit, but I really love her back and forth with uh, with Batman. And I mean, all I have to say is some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Uh, that entire sequence, literally minutes before... Um, Starting this podcast, I was watching that video on YouTube again because it's it makes me die laughing every time. The man runs through this entire city with like the bomb over his head. He runs in like past some nuns. He runs past a lady with a baby carriage. He goes to like a dock three different times, and he's like about to throw it in the water. And there's like a couple on a gondola, and then there's like a a. a a family of ducks swimming through the 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 water. I mean, and then he just throws it off screen, and you don't know where he throws it. But apparently, he's he's all good because the next scene, Robin shows up, and he's like, "Where's that man?" And he just pops up out of the the corner of the screen. Um, I love this movie to death. She's Romero re- refusing to shave his mustache uh, despite having white face paint on. Just is a mood. Uh, yeah, this movie is ridiculous and and ludicrous and campy as hell, and that's why I love it. I love it. Batman getting picked again. Katie, how do you feel about Batman? Literally, I was looking through a list of movies from the '60s, and I saw this, and I was like, "So Kyle's picking this." <laughs> 
I mean, I very much enjoy this pick for Kyle. I don't know that it's the highest caliber movie, but it doesn't have to be. Um, I think it's a perfect Kyle pick. It is and if you enjoy it, then, you know, that's, that's really great for you. I'm very happy for you in your movies. Here at, here at Planet Fantasy, we encourage you to pick the movies that you cherish Live and so we can beat you in the draft. Exactly. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> um, I actually don't think I, re- like, maybe I knew about this movie at one point in time, but I completely forgot it existed. Um, I was like, of course, there's a, the, the show is great, but I don't think I've ever seen the movie. I think I've seen that clip, though. Obviously, like, I've seen that multiple times. It... I need Batman to be funny again. And like, even if it's in a really like ironic way, you know, like, you know, maybe more of like the Tim Burton kind of style. That wasn't even that funny either, though. Like, I I need more comedy. Give it some Harley Quinn style. You know, whoever whoever took care of Harley Harley Quinn, the animated series, let him have a go at Batman, you know. So. I think that's why Lego Batman has been so good. Yes. True. That Will Arnett is just, just, he's like the spiritual successor to Adam West. I mean, he's hes so hilarious in that movie. He takes it so seriously and not serious at the same time. It's yeah. awful. Um, but I, I love that you're devoted to the DC because that's like three drafts in a row. Three or four <laughs> drafts in a row of a DC property, man. Um, respect. Okay. I, it, I was, it. it was it was either um like pretending Fleabag came out in the sixties or talking about this movie. So, yeah. yeah, you gotta hit one of your crutches, okay? It's gotta be one or the other. <laughs> oh um yeah, I wish I had more to add about this movie, but I mean we, we said plenty about it on the podcast that you haven't heard yet in the future that you will listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but um any anything you wanted to add about batman the movie kyle uh no just look just up, look up that, scene. that scene look up batman adam west bomb or just look up uh batman shark repellent on youtube and thank me later um, <laughs> it's ludicrous i love it and you can't tell me that any superhero has had a groovier theme song i'm just saying that's for sure um you started the draft with Sound of Music. Uh, what you got for round two? I truly I thought that thought round two was going to be the hardest for me because I assumed that you guys were going to steal this pick. So I'm very excited that it's still here. Um, my second pick is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, okay. Um, I love a space opera. Uh, I think it was beautiful. Um, Stanley Kubrick was really in his bag. Uh, he, yeah, I think he redefined uh, sci-fi. He had his hand in like every part of the movie. Maybe he should have had his hand less in editing and let the editors do a little more. Like the opening scene with the apes could have been shorter. It could have been significantly shorter. Yes. But. Um, but other than that, I didn't, it was just so ahead of its time, technologically speaking, and 
I would say I it walked so Star Wars, Wars could run, but I feel like that's an insult to 2001 Space Odyssey because it's almost like it ran so that Star Wars could also run. Yeah, I I just really enjoyed this movie. And I also think, like, seeing its influences, not just in, like, Star Wars and other sci-fi movies, but then later on, like, in WALL-E, um, with the whole, like, HAL thing and... Uh, all of that. I really enjoy that. Um, yeah, I very much enjoyed this. And I hadn't watched it until I studied for this podcast, and my cousin told me to watch it. Very nice. Because I was going to say, uh, explain it for people who maybe have never seen it, you know, if they oh, okay, oh, was listening. Like an they, impossible, impossible job. That's, yeah, that is like literally an impossible job. It's like people go on this space mission, and uh, there's there's a lot of really good music. Um, oh, they go on the space mission because there's this like big black like like slab that shows up on a planet that's inhabited or moon that's inhabited by apes, and then. Um, the, there are like three awake people on the ship, and there are some people that are in um like hypersleep, and the computer turns against them and like kills the people that are in hypersleep, and uh and strands. The, like other people out in space. Oh, okay. It's gotcha. it's bonkers, and like the one survivor like tries to take the machine apart, and it's and then he like gets transformed into this like psychedelic world. I is that an accurate? Think... Kyle, you've seen it, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. You think that was accurate? <laughs> I think that that was. Yes. yes, I think that, I think like, that, the like, more you try and talk about the movie, about people are just like, like what is, what this, is movie? this movie? And that's exactly that's what exactly Kubrick wanted. wanted. So it's that was very well played. <laughs> I, you know, I, I looked at it every single time I went to HBO Max for this podcast. I went to it, and I was like, okay, am, am I going to do it? And I look at that runtime, and I'm like, not today. <laughs> <laughs> and it just kept happening. Um, I don't know if it would have been my number two so i don't know if i would have ended up drafting it but it's it's going to happen i'm going to watch it i mean it it looks it's one of the most influential sci-fi movies ever kubrick is just a mastermind when it comes to like those breathtaking shots and everything um and i still have no idea what it's about thanks for trying (laughs) um (laughs) so I, it, it's definitely one of the most talked about movies of the 60s, easily. So, Kyle, how do you feel about this movie? Uh, yeah, this movie is still being, not still, but it's being shown in theaters right now. And I think that's a testament. So, I mean, it just, every couple of years, theaters are like, hey, you know what we should do? Just show this movie again, because it's just such a talked about movie. Um, yeah, how... I think if it was just a movie where this this robot on a spaceship is like fucking with everyone, it would still be one of my favorite sci-fi movies because that premise alone is so interesting and, and fascinating. But 
just the surrealism of it and how existential it gets. I mean, it's it's one of those movies that I almost hate to love because the fan base just drives me up a wall. Um, because you have so many like film students and there's one of you who are like, it's the greatest film of all time. You don't get it. If you don't like this movie, you don't get it. And also, have you seen Fight Club? Uh, <laughs> you know the one. <laughs> but that says nothing about this movie. I just think that it's a masterpiece and not getting the entirety of it is the goal. And I think that's kind of beautiful. Like I, there, there's so many interpretations of it. Um, and a lot of filmmakers have taken that kind of style of filmmaking and run with it. So I don't think that we have uh, such thought-provoking movies that we do these days without something like 2001. So it's definitely a, a, a trailblazer in that aspect. You know, and I, I think I, I like that we started with the 60s for this miniseries, Acolytes of Film, because it has so many influential movies I, I'm seeing as we go down these these lists. Um, and it's, you know, good to see what comes before because of all the movies we're going to be drafting later down the road with all the future decades. Um, we're going to probably be bringing up a couple of these movies, you know. So I love it. Katie, what you got for your third pick? Oh my gosh. Okay. This is one where I have to like almost any, 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 any moment. Um, okay. I guarantee that either, well, I, I won't take guarantee. I don't think that either of you will have seen either of these movies. So it's more so which one's my favorite. I'm going to go with Wait Until Dark. Um, have either of you seen it? Is it Wait or Wade? Wait. Wait. Yeah. Wait I've, until dark. I've so, seen Wait Until Dark. Yeah. Wait Until Dark is one of my favorites, <laughs> but Wait Until Dark, never seen it. My my third pick round was my uh, Audrey Hepburn round. So I was uh, trying to decide between two. But, okay, so Wait Until Dark is the last movie that she did before she went on her 10-year hiatus to raise her kids. Um, and Audrey Hepburn plays a blind woman who's, like, recently blind uh, because she was in a car accident and, like, the flames um, burned her corneas or something like that. And her husband met this woman on a plane who gave him a doll, and the doll was full of drugs. And so these, like, bad men come to their apartment trying to find the doll, and the doll's not there. And they run this, like, scam on her where one of them is trying to pretend to be her husband's, like, war buddy. And all of these other people are, like, trying to basically, like, convince her, like, one is pretending to be a detective, one is pretending to be a man who's looking for the doll, and... Um, she knows she's in danger, but she thinks that, like, this guy, Mike, is her, like, ride or die. And her husband is a photographer, so he's off at his studio. And it's, like, so scary. And there's a little girl who helps her with her groceries, and she's the one who took the doll. And so they're, like, tearing apart the apartment, trying to find it. 
and she figures out so alan arkin is one of the other like stars of this movie and he's so young you don't recognize alan arkin it's ridiculous um and she starts to figure it out because she can tell one of the guys who's playing like three different characters has squeaky shoes and when she's blind she has like like heightened senses so um it's called Wait Until Dark because she can um, kind of get the other hand when it's nighttime. And there's like a bunch of jump scares at the end. And I don't like scary movies, but this is like a thriller. I like thrillers. Yep. And she is so good in this movie. And like, you really don't know until the end, like if she's going to win or the bad guys are going to win. Um. And it's available on Amazon Prime <laughs> for you have to pay, but it's like three dollars. Um, I watched this like when I was a kid and have continued to watch it over the years. Um, but I think it's one of her better performances and like super underrated, and nobody ever knows about this movie. <laughs> but she did get uh, nominated for an Oscar. Nice. Uh, Damon, what do you think about Wait Until Dark? You said a doll full of drugs. I am <laughs> this movie. Um, it's a very intriguing plot, and I'm kind of wanting to really watch it. You know, I feel like this is a movie that is. I'm surprised it hasn't been remade. You know, like what is one of those like edgy 2000s thrillers like they did with everything. Last House on the Left, everything. Um, this would be a cool take. I've actually never seen an Audrey Hepburn movie. I know, I know, I know. Um, I like I said before, I'm not a big old movie fan, and as everyone is dying, guys, Katie is crying. crying. <laughs> anymore because I have no credit. I have no credit at all to stand on. Um, I I, I want to watch this movie. You know, I've always wanted to watch several of her movies. I just never got around to it. Um. And I, I feel like I have to before someone kills me in my sleep for, for not. So, may, and by someone, Katie. So. <laughs> she made four in the 60s. Four or maybe five. I, I think four in the 60s. And they were all amazing. Yeah, you know how many movies I actually ended up watching and prep for this podcast? Not nearly enough. <laughs> I watched more than one. I watched about five, but still. Um I will watch an Audrey Hepburn movie by the time the summer starts. Okay. It'll happen. The gauntlet, gauntlet is thrown. Yes. Um, it, it might be this movie because I really want to watch this movie. It, it sounds intense. You know, it sounds like a good thriller. Um, I'm looking at like stills of the movie. I have to say, though, her like her being blind it, it the pictures are just really like very over dramatic she didn't want to wear like glasses and she didn't want to have makeup that was like pretending to have like scars by her eyes and i think part of that had to do with like she had a baby at home and she didn't want to spend like extra time in makeup chair i i'm very intrigued to watch this movie i love psychological thrillers um especially like those like home romps you know like them trying to invade the house those are like some of my favorite kind of uh, horror thrillers so i'm down uh kyle what do you think 
yeah. Premise alone, I mean, I'm so intrigued. I don't know how I haven't seen this already, but uh, I just I associate Audrey Hepburn with like light comedies and and rom coms. So this is really intriguing to me. Um, I have no trouble believing she was nominated. Uh, I love an Alan Alda out of nowhere. I'm sorry, Alan Arkin, um, because I love that guy. But uh, yeah, this is so interesting to me. It from the premise alone, I agree with Damon. I, I'm surprised it's never been remade. But uh, I, I might watch it after this podcast. <laughs> like really, like that plot is such an intriguing plot. Like the fact that we both kind of want to watch it right now is. That's a sneaky good pick. <laughs> I don't know if everyone, anyone else has heard of it. No, I, I will say I saw it on almost every list of like movies of the 60s, like that you need to watch. That was on there every single time. So pretty solid, pretty solid. That's Katie's third pick. And we're going to roll on to Kyle's third. What you got to pair with Psycho and Batman? All right. Um... Yeah, I have a lot to decide between. Okay. I'm going to go with one that is another, like, it's goofy as hell, and that's kind of why I love it. That's a, I mean, that's a, a recurring theme with a lot of movies I like. Um, it, to quote our good friend Ryan on, on the video game draft we just did, um, it's a good kicky-punchy movie. <laughs> Uh, when he said that, I just about lost my mind. Um, I gotta go with Goldfinger. Um, came out in 1962, I believe. Uh, uh, Sean Connery's second, no, third, uh, third entry in the Bond franchise. Um, a lot of aspects of these movies do not hold up well today, uh, along with just the character of James Bond in general. Um, I'm a big fan of the Daniel Craig uh, take on the character because he does at least a little work to humanize him. Um, but this movie is just like 60s action to a T. Um, there's so much intrigue to it. I do really love uh, the guy who plays Oric Goldfinger. Um, I think amongst the Bond villains, like he ranks near the top for me. Um, just for the... Uh, you know, do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Like, that's just lives rent-free in my head. Um, yeah, I, I think that we need more goofy and ridiculous action movies these days. Um, it just, I, I, I miss action movies that, like, didn't take themselves super seriously. Um, I think someone who does that really well is Shane Black. Um, so I'd love to see him do a, a James Bond movie. I think that would be wild. Um, but yeah, th this movie is super fun. Like I say, a lot of it is dated and uh, doesn't hold up. Really not okay with like Sean Connery's treatment of women in any of these movies, or really any of the actors as James Bond. Um, so a lot of aspects of the character and the mythos behind the character is just not fun. But uh, the movie itself is is very ridiculous, very far fetched. Uh, the, the villain schemes, they get stupider and stupider with every movie. Um, and that's kind of why I love it. And yeah, I, I Sean Connery does have quite a, you know, a, a charm to him as, as James Bond. And um, 
I don't know. I'd love to see, like I said, I love Daniel Craig, but I'd love to see someone do the goofier side of James Bond again. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, this is a franchise that's still one of the longest running movie franchises. You know, I mean, it started in 59, I want to say, and, and it's still going strong now. Um, so yeah. And oh, there's my episode Phoebe Waller-Bridge mentioned because she's writing No Time to Die or she wrote No Time to Die. So got it in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Goldfinger. Um, I hated this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that that's like super surprising since it's really chauvinistic. Treatment of women is terrible. And I know you already mentioned that like it didn't age well. And I I think I mentioned it to my brother and he was like, well, of course it's sexist. It's a James Bond movie pre Daniel Craig. And I was like, I mean, yes, but also I don't think we should just like accept that. Yeah, that doesn't make it okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I saw so many lists of Bond movies where they had Goldfinger as number one, and I was like, what? What? Like, I'll head off Casino Royale? Like, that seemed crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, I would even watch Moonraker first, but as far as 60s Bond movies, it's not a lot of choices, (laughs) and I had to get a James Bond movie in there. I understand um, that. This is actually one of the only old James Bond movies I've ever seen. Um, I'm not a big fan of James Bond. I mean, um, you know, I just always found it to be a little, I don't know. I don't know if it was the character or the way it was super, seemed super glossy. Like, I mean, I grew up in the days of Pierce Brosnan. So, I mean, those those are super, we've all seen those. Okay. Um but this one, I saw this like about a year or so ago, and it was for, I guess, a 60s action movie. It was enjoyable in the sense that I laughed a lot at how bad the movie was. Um, like the the special effects, I guess, were top notch then. But God, they're like seeing them like climb the siding of like of uh, buildings and, and doing all the spy stuff and fighting. You're like, oh, wow, this is <laughs> This is like I think I would take Batman the TV show over over the James Bond special effects, okay? Um, but it's a little endearing in its own way. And like you said, I do like the Goldfinger villain. I thought he was probably one of the only redeemable parts of the movie. Um, I thought their conversations, like on the beach, like not on the beach, but like when they're talking by the pool and stuff, that was really good. Um, and I was introduced to how slow. A James Bond movie can be. I was like, aren't these movies supposed to be like fast and like a bunch of action? It's like this is just a bunch of proposition, like uh, exposition. But you know, it's not terrible. Um, should this be the only James Bond movie drafted in these decades uh, drafts? Hopefully not. But uh, because there's a couple better ones in this for sure. But uh, as far as the '60s and maybe probably '70s go, you could do worse than this one. I, I think. Um, so and also as far as like iconic goes this created one of my favorite movies as far as comedies go <laughs> goldman there you go um had to mention it such a great <laughs> such a great parody okay so good um but that's all i'll say about that uh, any any other thoughts about james bond and goldfinger guys 
just an absolute absolute banger of a theme song if nothing else else. yeah i mean you can say that about what over half of the movies all of them yeah yeah the 60s had amazing theme songs and scores like just iconic music oh the opening like the opening credits scene stuff that's pretty dope stuff too like Mm -hmm. and it's been uh repeated and parodied over so many times so gotta love that um so i think that will lead us to the next pick but i think before we do that we're going to take a quick break here at planet fantasy our eyes are open we understand the truth and the truth is rats and birds are the same thing that's right you've been lied to your entire life Rats are just birds in a big trench coat. We formed the Rat Bird Union. We've got pamphlets. We've got a website. I can't give the URL or they'll they'll find out and they'll come get us. But you heard it here first. Wake up, sheeple. Rats and birds are the same thing. Hey guys, and we're back. And I believe last we were talking to Kyle about his pick. He went with Goldfinger, uh, one of the 60s James Bond movies, um, one of the more iconic villains of the James Bond's uh, franchise. And I think we're going to roll on to my next pick. Um, So this kind of uh, crosses two of my favorite kind of movies. I'm talking about a musical Again, that's three in a row. I didn't realize I was going to do that, but it happened. And animated. Okay, first animated movie off the board. I'm talking about the little movie called The Jungle Book. Nice. Okay, uh, 1967 animated musical adventure comedy, um, of course, produced by Walt Disney. It was actually the last film produced by Walt himself, um, the problematic man himself, you know, say what you will about him. Um, but it follows Mowgli, the feral child raised in the uh, Indian jungle by wolves. And then uh, he's trying to tip in, be taken out of the jungle before he's eaten by Shere, uh, by Shere Khan. And uh, he doesn't want to leave. OK, so he just kind of like pretty much delays his his uh, leaving the jungle. And that's the whole movie. OK, his friend uh, Bagheera, I believe. Bagheera. Yeah, Bagheera. He's essentially trying to get Mowgli out the entire time. And Mowgli's just like, no, I want to chill in the jungle. You know, like, this is my home. This is all I know. And so you you get that. He's just kind of getting out of that and into hijinks. Like, he runs into Ka, the snake, the serpent, um, who just wants to eat him and hypnotize him. Um, He runs into, of course, his new best friend, Baloo, the bear, who sings one of the best songs ever. You know, I mean, Bare Necessities is a bop. It's a banger. We still sing it today. And uh, and yeah, he meets the Vultures, who I really like more and more as I get older. You know, I don't think I was a big fan of them as a kid for some reason. I guess they were Vultures were kind of creepy, I think, as kids, the whole idea of them. But um, yeah, eventually he, uh, you know, he skates from uh, Jir Khan a couple of times. 
and he finally gets it to the village where he decides to finally, uh, you know, live among the people. But uh, it's just super fun. Um, it's definitely a bit dated, as a lot of these movies are. You know, not very good depictions of a uh, of the natives there or anything like that. Um, or you know, I believe the a couple of the characters have some pretty neg- a couple negative uh, allegories. You know, depictions of different cultures. Um, but it's also, uh, it's a classic. I mean, it was remade recently into a Disney live action movie by our boy, John Favreau, everything he touched turns into gold. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I just, I love the music. I love the animation. It's fun. And I, you know, like I said, this was hard for me to do with the sixties. And this is one I'd seen probably more than anything else on the list other than Mary Poppins. So it was a pretty, pretty big no-brainer for me. So, Katie, what do you think? Uh, well, this is my next pick, so I'm a little <laughs> upset about it. Or it was going to be Jungle Book or Mary Poppins. So, like, screw your board. <laughs> um, I love the Jungle Book. Um, Blue is just, like, the friend that all of us want to have. Um, bare necessities can just like get you through anything. Um, yeah, I am really mad about this, but happy for you. Just happy for you, Damon. <laughs> Love that for you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that passive aggressiveness. It's beautiful. Um, and the, with the vultures, they wanted to get the Beatles, but the Beatles wouldn't do it, so they got, like, Beatles impersonators. That's right. That's true. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, um, Kyle, how do you feel about The Jungle Book? Is this one of your uh, favorite old-school Disney movies? Um, yeah, so here's where I tank my draft. Uh, the 60s has great Disney movies with Mary Poppins, and then it also has The Jungle Book. Uh, I don't hate this movie. I don't even really dislike it, but it's just kind of there. Um, I will say the last time I watched it, I was high as a kite, and I firmly recommend that. That's the great, greatest way to watch this movie. Um, Kyle, not that's the a good every movie, Kyle. That's very true. That's very true. Um, I I will say this is my hot take of the day. I think the the John Favreau live action remake is is. The perfect example of these stupid live action remakes because most of them are unnecessary because the things they're remaking are like perfect. I think this story could be expanded upon because it's really disjointed and all over the place and it's much more cohesive with what they do with like the conflict with Shere Khan. Now, I will say this one has much more, uh, it's much more whimsical. And you lose that with the live action remake. So I do love that about this movie. And I agree about Baloo. I mean, Baloo is is amazing. The Bare Necessities is one of the best. So I love that. I just, it's one that I could watch it today and tomorrow, not remember most parts of it. It's just kind of, I don't know. It never really leaves a big impression on me, but I'm glad it was picked because I'm always here for the Disney representation. Katie, how do you, so... How do you feel about Kyle now that he said he didn't like Jungle Book? <laughs> he literally said he was going to watch Jungle Book after the pod tonight. He said at the beginning. Did he? Is that what he said? I, you know, it's been a while since the beginning of the pod. So, um, 
Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I thought he said that. Um, but I, uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe his taste is in question. Um, it's fine. Not everyone has to like the same thing. I think if you look at Kyle's super bro-y picks, <laughs> it doesn't really match up with our taste. Um, I will say I do think the uh, the live action take does like bring some more depth and scope to the tale because like watching it again, you know, the animated movie, it it is very basic and light, you know, nothing really happens. But, I, you know, I like that in some movies, you know, where the 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 plot isn't as important as the experience, you know, like what happens on the way. And I feel like this is one of those movies where it's it's really just about what's happening. Like, it's like an Alice in Wonderland type romp, you know. It's like you're you're meeting a bunch of people, and you never really get anywhere in the end. But it's all about who you meet along the way. So, mm-hmm. I, 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 Jungle Book has a great cast, you know. So, Baloo and Bare Necessities ran. So, um, Hakuna Matata could soar, you know. I believe that. I actually thought that when I was listening to it. I was like, this is totally like the Hakuna Matata of the 60s. 100%. Um, so, yes, that's my third pick. And I'm just going to roll on to my fourth pick, the first pick of the last round of the draft, guys. Um, it's been a fun one. And I'm going to go with maybe the second most influential horror movie of the 60s if not more influential than psycho because i mean this movie has created its own genre it's created so many inspirational like inspired movies and tv shows and and people who think this is really going to happen um so i'm talking about romero's night of the living dead okay um i believe this was in what 67 if i'm not mistaken um, 68, 68. And honestly, I'd never seen it before until this, uh, the prep for this podcast. And I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, the music was, I think my favorite part it was so eerie and unsettling. Like just those like rings. It's like just very twilight zoney, very twilight zone esque. I would say, um, the black and white just added the, the extra eerie factor to it. Um, and I like the pace of it. You know, it, it is a 60s movie, so it is a lot more methodical and everything. It takes its time. Um, but with zombies, you you kind of sometimes need that, especially with these zombies, which were, you know, these are the very first zombies, uh, very slow and plotting. Um, they are, you know, their flesh isn't really even decaying or messed up too much. They're just kind of people who just kind of recently died from the looks of it. Um but, you know, they do a really good job of making them seem more than, you know, stronger and, and more of a threat and menacing. Um, and, of course, it was one of the first uh, those first horror movies to, you know, put a black lead, you know, in there and survive. And that was pretty radical at the time. Um, so it, it's opened so many doors in so many ways for, for Hollywood. And I felt like I had to go with that for for tons of different reasons. Um, It's not my favorite zombie movie by any stretch, but I feel like it's an important movie and I'd be kind of upset if it didn't get picked. So I had to go with that for my last one. Kyle, what do you think? 
Uh, yeah, this one was also on my board. Um, I agree. I think so. Psycho is great as it is i don't even really consider it a horror movie i think it's much more of like a thriller um and so natalie living dead is like the true iconic horror movie of the 60s um the genre went through a lot of radical changes even before this decade but really especially in the 60s um and yeah i mean the zombie uh the zombie like subgenre of horror is so overdone these days but to see that it started out so strong, I mean, I wish it was still like this movie. Uh, I agree, the music is the most striking part of the movie. It's just incredible. Another one of those things where, like, you can build dread without just pummeling people with blood and gore. Even though this movie, for its time, I mean, for 68, was very, very much pushed the boundaries of what you could show in a movie um, as far as, like, blood and gore. But, uh, yeah, I, I love this series. Um, I'm a big fan of Dawn of the Dead as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, this is a great, great movie. Thank you. Katie, how do you feel about Night of the Living Dead? Never seen it. <laughs> I know, it's shocking. Actually, I don't mind zombie movies that much, but um, I just never saw Night of the Living Dead. Um yeah, it, yeah it, I just avoided all of the '60s horror movies. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it is very influential. Like, obviously, we wouldn't have gotten so many zombie movies and TV shows and everything without it. So, I mean, I can't hate on it. It definitely doesn't um, fit in very well with your other picks. But, but um, I don't think so. I mean, it was close to being a musical. I heard Romero was very, very <laughs> big into musicals. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it, it's much different. But I, you know, I couldn't go with the musical the whole way through. I, it just wasn't going to fall that way. But uh, I had to give some love to the zombies. I feel like they're going to make some uh, reappearances on some drafts going forward in these decades. So. We'll see. What What is your favorite zombie movie, Katie? I am a big a fan big of Zombieland. Zombieland. Yes. Um, and I also, I also like, like Warm Bodies, Warm Bodies with Nicholas Holt. Saw that in theaters, actually. It was a very underrated movie. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle, what's yours? Um, I love both of those. Probably 28 Days Later or Zombieland. Very different movies. But. Very different movies. <laughs> Shout out to Not Mentioned, because these are probably the two of my other favorites, including all those. Shaun of the Dead. Oh, of course. Train of Busan. Yeah. Super creepy movie and super <laughs> emotional when yep, you, you yep. don't expect it. So, um, all right, then. That uh, finishes my board. Three musicals and a, and a zombie. So. <laughs> Kyle. Uh, you want to tell the people at home your board real quick before we finish that up? Uh, yeah. So the bro draft is uh, <laughs> comprised of um, Psycho, Batman the Movie, and Goldfinger. Um, so let's see. I want to round this one out. I still have somebody to choose from, but I think... There were two sci-fi that was formed between, and because 2001 was was picked, I'm going to go with uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie, I, I want to say, not to kill my board, 
<laughs> but I do love or prefer the prequel trilogy that has come out. Um, you know, the Andy Serkis trilogy. Uh, I think that's like the, the best depiction of this universe. Um, but you can't uh, discount the importance of the original. Um, Charlton Heston is just doing the absolute most in this movie. Uh, I love it. I think he's he's great. Um, I don't really love him in a lot of movies, but I think he's really solid in this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I think it ranks up there as one of the greatest movie in, like ending slash twists of all time, um, along with Psycho. Just saying. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, this is a great movie. It's it's goofy and stupid, but it's just really interesting and gave us a really cool like movie universe that I I eagerly like look forward to entries in this franchise. They get really bad after this. Like Beneath the Planet of the Apes is terrible. Um, all the ones in the seventies are really bad, and then they get amazing again with the Andy Serkis trilogy. So. Uh, yeah, Wait, you're yeah. not going to mention the 2000 movie. No, because no, there is no, such, no thing. such thing. Tim Burton, Tim Burton never did that, did that because he knew there was a line he couldn't cross. cross. Um, uh, yeah, so I love this movie. I I agree. I think that 2001 that did more for the sci-fi genre and just filmmaking in general. But this one also kind of is a testament to like like this era of sci-fi and things were still very like um high concept you know and and very out there i guess yes um and yeah nothing is better than talking apes that that's very hard to beat katie how do you feel about planet of the apes being kyle's last movie off the board this was my backup backup pick if Kyle took 2001 <laughs> so I, I enjoyed it it went the other way I just watched this movie today um, and Charlton Heston was really good in it um, and I mean I agree with what you said it did a lot for sci-fi not as much as 2001 did but um, it still it was like revolutionary and did a lot for like like just makeup makeup and all of that like like um special effects and things like that um and then the twist is iconic like like without having seen it i knew the twist because it's in every like like big film montage so um yeah, and like the, like the classic line when he speaks for the first time, like like it's um yeah it's iconic. It is. Um, the makeup is really really good. I think honestly, like I think that still holds up surprisingly <laughs> well, even that first movie into the sequels. Um, I'm someone who watched that that 2001 movie that didn't happen and was like, this is like bad but i still like the idea of it so i watched like i i think i went and like rented all the old the the originals like at the library and watched all those in like a week and it was like yeah they, the story gets crazy like you know he makes friends with his like his guards or like the gardeners and or the scientist i think and uh the scientist tries to like break them out and and tries to like help the people there it's like i mean i think it's four other sequels and so much happens but i can't even remember because it's it's ludicrous really the whole storyline um but that first one like 
that plot twist is probably in the top five plot movie plot twists of all time. I mean, I don't hear it talked about much anymore just because it's, I guess it was a little overused. Like you said, in all the movie montages, it's been parodied plenty of times, you know, you damn dirty apes, you know, the, the broken uh, head of the uh, statue of Liberty and everything. Um, I wish people talked about it more, you know, um, it, it needs it needs its more credit. I also love the prequel trilogy like a lot. Um, was it Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or no Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Rise. Like, Both. Dawn, yes. Four. yes. The second one is one of my favorite movies of the 2010s. Such, it's such one of the best brother sh- brother frenemy enemy relationships and it's between two apes and it's just like amazing uh, and the way they they blend the asl into the movies are, are great and the fact that this this movie in the from the 60s bred you know all those sequels and then this prequel series and i'm sure we'll probably get more of it at some point in the future you know um i don't know when what kind of a version but i'm, I'm excited for it um it's a really intriguing premise and I, I think that's one of the always one of the things that like if you have that in sci-fi it's always going to kind of prevail and always kind of maybe be recycled so yeah um is, is do you have any highlights of the first movie kyle that you wanted to talk about or is it was it mainly just those little points yeah it's just, yeah, that, just that, that, twist. that twist and uh, uh charlton just delivering you know, you maniacs, you know, just like, I love it. No one could deliver it like he did. <laughs> he's just so mad and angry the whole movie. Like, and he's in jail. He's like, this is just fucking insane. Get me the hell out of here. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's Kyle's board. And so, Katie, we're going to run over to you. Uh, you want to tell everybody your picks real quick before we get to the last pick of the draft? Um, yeah. yeah, I have The Sound of Music. Sound of music. 2000 Last Space Odyssey, Odyssey and Wait Until Dark. Dark. Um, um, so for my fourth, my fourth pick, pick, I am going to go with The Tension Builds. I know. I know. It's- well, you took all of my, all of my top ten. <laughs> top ten. Um, that is the name of the draft. I'm going to go gonna with go Bush with Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. All right. Uh, I think uh, that I think Westerns were such a huge part of the 60s. Of the 60s. I, um, I really was just having a trouble... Deciding between different Paul Newman movies. Uh, Paul Newman, so much more than a salad dressing. Um, he had a lot of great movies in the 60s. And um, I think he really makes this movie shine. I didn't even pay attention to Robert Redford. Um, and I, I think it's a great buddy movie. It's... Um, uh, it's got great music. Uh, Raindrop keeps falling on my head. Um, and I, I just like enjoyed it all around. Um, so, yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, that's my pick. 
I, I think we would have all been, done a big disservice to the 60s if we hadn't picked at least one Western. So thank you for that. Um, that's, I think, I looked at all the lists I could find online of, you know, top movies of the 60s, movies you must watch, and this was on every single one, you know. Um, I have never seen it in my life. I am not a big Western fan. My dad is huge into them and so by law i couldn't be i, I just couldn't so <laughs> i was like no i don't want to watch another western dad please stop um and and yeah i i feel like this one i don't know if he even enjoyed this one i can't remember it ever trying to watch it but uh i mean it's a classic for a reason um do you so you prefer the uh the newman character and he who is he in the movie He's, he's he's Butch. He's Butch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and th- this is essentially just them getting into hijinks or, or trying to. Uh... Yeah. So yeah. they have like a yeah. gang yeah. that they um, have, have in the American, American West. West, and then they've robbed they too many banks. banks. They're um, really under fire, under fire. And, so and so they decide, they decide to flee. To don't remember which country which they go country to. They go to. Um, and, but they go down south, um, to South or Central America. I think it's Central America. And, um, they then start robbing banks there. And then, um, I mean, it's just like a big shootout. Uh, and the Sundance kid has a teacher that's the lady in his life and but she's like also got eyes for butch and she's like butch do you think that if we had met first we would be together and now i thought that was like the most relatable moment in the movie because i was like for sure if you had met paul newman first you would have been with paul newman you would not have been with robert redford what um but i uh i just thought it was it was like a, a good romp of a movie and I watched many Westerns. I watch a lot of movies for this podcast. But I watched many Westerns. And some of them I could not get through to the end. And quite a few of the, like the most famous ones, I did make it through to the end and just hated them. And so I'm glad that nobody picked them because I would have had to crap all over them. But this one I thought was um, the best of them. And... I didn't want us to go without a Western, and I adore Paul Newman, so the best one. I respect that. Um, I I can't say yes or no on whether it is one of the better Westerns, but uh, I will take your word for it. (laughs) Kyle, do you have anything uh, to add on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Uh, It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... There's a reason that there's a whole, you know, film festival named after after the Sundance Kid. Uh, I love Robert Redford in basically anything. So, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen this one in, in quite a long time. This is not one I was able to get back to and rewatch before the draft, but um, it's iconic all the same. So, yeah. Well, I believe that would... uh cap the end of that draft guys um we did it that that's uh 12 movies of the 1960s i believe we captured the uh 
the essence of what it was to watch movies in the 60s. Maybe maybe not as many westerns as uh, <laughs> 60s uh, moviegoers would probably like, but you know, sorry about that. Uh, we went musical heavy, you know? <laughs> um, we got some horror in there. We got, of course, one of the most popular franchises ever in Goldfinger. Um, got Superhero, and, and of course, Audrey Hepburn uh, graced us on the board, so... Kind of hit all the notes of the 60s, I feel like, guys. Um, did y'all have any honorable mentions at all y'all wanted to mention real quick? Um, I have a few. Uh, the Apartment. Mm. Uh, with Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lennon. Um, My Fair Lady and Parade. Um, some Audrey Hepburn classics. Uh, the Graduate. And Cool Hand Luke. Very nice. Uh, Kyle, you got any? Uh, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Yojimbo. Um, Kurosawa just has some absolute bangers, and uh, I wasn't this was one that I wanted to rewatch before in good faith, you know, drafting it because it's been quite some time and I just wasn't able to get to it. But it is it's a fantastic movie, as are most everything he does. Um, almost went with West Side Story, but I'm glad that musicals were. <laughs> very covered in this episode. So. <laughs> I, felt, I felt okay living it out. Um, I The only two others that I had on my list was Sound of Music and Planet of the Apes. And so everything that I wanted to get drafted got drafted um, by someone. So I, I feel I feel good. I, I pretty much got the four I really wanted. Um, so I, I think I won this draft. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> we can go home now. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, this could be anyone's game. Uh, we all have like true, like literal legends and like classics. Um, it's just always going to come down to people's preferences. I, I can't wait to see what they think. Um, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I don't have any info on who won the NBA expansion team draft yet. I'm, I'm putting up uh, the poll uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. So we'll see who wins. Um, I mean, I think we all know. It was, it was, it was Katie. <laughs> we, we, we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, but, but thanks for joining us, Katie. I'm sure we'll have you again. Uh, Kyle, you have, have it. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, guys, thanks for guys listening. For listening. Um, let us know with feedback, as always, our, our, our socials um, on IG and Twitter and at planet.fantasypod at gmail.com. Um, we've got some good ones coming your way. We've got the uh, already reported but yet to be released uh, 1970s TV draft with bad coming um, because time is meaningless. And we've got some good ones coming, so stay tuned. We're going to have a uh, 420 special with the stoner comedies coming soon. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.